Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. I'm Ron Crawford, the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's a privilege for me to be able to come into your home or your office or vehicle or wherever it is that you are right now listening to this and to share the word of the Lord. I especially greet my congregation, who I love dearly. Um, may God bless you on this uh, Wednesday as we look into the Word of God together. I greet our Saints Network family. Thank you for taking this time to join together with us. We, we bless you and we value you so, so very dearly. But today we want to talk from a very familiar passage of Scripture. You, you have an outline there, the message entitled, He Leadeth Me. And we're going to look at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. And then we're going to talk about the hidden things that we've not really considered there in those three verses. And then we're going to look at a, um, an extension of how God leads as mentioned throughout the Old Testament, because we really need to know how to follow the leading of God in these days, don't we? You know, there's so many opinions and so many voices and so much virtue signaling and so much crowd speak and so much bullying, so many people telling us what to do, what to think, what to say, what not to say. It is more oppressive than anything that I can ever remember. We need to know how to do what David did in this well-known psalm and really know how to be led by Yahweh. So, I pray the blessing of the Lord on this study. I trust you have the outline pulled up. If you don't, you can just go to Psalm 23. I'll be telling you the other scriptures we're looking at, but we're ready to go. So here we are. Verse 1 of Psalm 23 says, Yahweh is my shepherd, so I will not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How interesting this is. And, um, I don't know of any other way to do it than to just dig in. There are two types of leading that are mentioned here in this passage, and they are basically derivatives. The first that we're going to look at throughout the rest of this study is, is used in regard to the paths of righteousness, and that is naha, or naha. And it means to guide or to transport it was used of either colonists or exiles. And it basically is taking people into a new place and establishing something in that place. Now, the derivative word of that is nahal, and it is used in regard to the still waters. And it, it, is, a, it is a different kind of leading. It's it's moving as if in a s slowly flowing current. There is unquestioned security and strengthening in this. 
And a strange word uh, is, is used to describe this in a number of lexicons, to sparkle. So this is leading, but not necessarily the leading of conquest, not necessarily the leading of establishing the dominion of the kingdom, but a leading that is more intrinsic, more in the depth of who we are. So let's explore how these two words are used in what David says. The first is verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he nachal, besides the still waters, and still here is our old friend Menucha. Now let's talk about that too, because this verse that we're considering here truly speaks about communing with God. As is the case with everything else David did, he spoke about communing with God as being imperative. He was a lover and a warrior. And this would speak about any time there's a, a twofold uh, depiction of the principle of God where you stand and then you break through. You parets so that you can parats. You know, nobody wants to invest themselves into an uncertain area. No business wants to pour money into some place that can't be defended, that can't be secure. And so um, God has established that Peretz principle for us to take a stand in the gap. That's what gap is, to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. That is Peretz. That's where Peretz is, is uh, definitively shown. And um, you, you need to know that there is... Um, um, there's something very special about the fact that David begins this psalm by talking about communing with God, being in green pastures, resting in Him. This kind of leading word is, is the word that means to be protected and unquestionably secured, and which arguably we always are, but the, just the, the measure of not going out in war, not... Um, going out to battle, which comes next, but to be in this condition with the Menucha water. I remember when we talked about Menucha and how this is a temple type of, a, of an expression of the Spirit of the Lord. You know, you have the Nuach or the, uh, and even the, the, the weightiness of the Kabod where God is with you and you are on the the, the battleground, you are offering first fruits, you are doing all these things, and the presence of the Lord is around you, establishing that you are his representative. But when it comes to Manucha, you're talking about an abiding presence. You're talking about more of a location that has been clearly established, and God has been welcomed, and here is the Manucha of his presence. And it says that this word is linked with these waters. You know, the waters of the Lord are something truly special. You know, we've studied about the waters that flow from the throne of God, which are clearly depicted in the Scripture. It begins at ankle length, and then it continues on to where it's waters that cannot be passed over. That's not our teaching today. But throughout all of that, the water of the Lord is is symbolic of his fruitfulness, his blessing, 
You know, water will turn the desert into a fruitful place. You know, people establish the great cities and the, and the great ports on the waters. Uh, and uh, because it, it guarantees that there's plenty of provision, there's sustenance, there's, there's transport, there's irrigation, there's all those things. So the coming of water by the directive of the throne of God is an imperative resource for fruitfulness. And so when David says that he is by the plan of God, by Yahweh, who is his shepherd, the plan of God, uh, we're not going to want for anything because God is going to provide as we're serving him. But you have this glorious blessing of, um, of the fact that, wow, you're resting in God. You're loving him. You're communing with him. And the waters of supply, not just of invigoration, you know, I'm going to dance in the river, all those things that we like to sing under those vineyard tunes, but it is a source of supply, and you are responsible for it. You're not just ollie ollie in free, let's do a deep dive. You are partnering with God according to his holy temple, according to what he wants to do for his eternal dwelling places on earth in in communing with that water to gaining the knowledge that it is what it is that it is coming and so everything about this beginning part in walking with Yahweh being led being led by these still waters is God saying to you as his lover as his sons and daughters the place where I am leading you to I'm leading you there that's the first thing. Secondly, when you get there, don't be so discouraged uh, or dismayed because of the wilderness or because of the dry places. Don't, don't be discouraged by this because you've got a taste of these waters of my menucha. And you know that here in this place of unparalleled safety and commune, I am giving you a taste of what I want on earth. So this is really interesting to see that as is in so much the case of everything we do in God, the plan of Yahweh is to have his kingdom come and his will be done. But it must begin as Jesus said, when you pray, don't be as the heathen. Say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's restoration with his name there is saintly walk and partnership with his name and here david doesn't say that exact thing but he says the same thing my yahweh is my shepherd i'm serving him and i'm never going to want for anything he has caused me to lie down in this beautiful place and for an animal being shepherded, what better place is it than to be in a lush green valley where you are absolutely secure and protected? That's what it is when we come into the throne and we welcome the presence of God into our homes, into our places of prayer. And then he leads. He leads by these manuka waters. 
you are believing for a visitation of God in the place where you are assigned. And let me tell you, dear saint, that the way you gain confidence, the way you gain instruction, the way you gain uh, an idea of what God is really wanting to do there as his river flows, as his water comes and changes that dry place into a fruitful plain, when that water comes and and makes glad the city of our God and the voices of many waters uh, uh, of the voice of God is is being resoundingly heard, you gain that seed faith for that in these Manucha waters. It begins there. Before you go out and kick it and take names, before you go out and establish dominion, if you are not rooted in that Peretz, if you're not rooted in that holy, loving place with God in the secret place, how will you know what to expect where the kingdom is to come? How will you know what God is really wanting to do if you have not drunk deeply from those waters at the right hand of God? We must have this first, and David has it. So from that position, he then goes into verse 3. He restores my soul. Your soul can get you in a lot of trouble. I like soul music, and I'm not, I, I like to hear it, but so much of it talks about things that your emotions, your emotions are indicating, and now, I won't even begin to go on what country music does. <laughs> you know, that's emotions on steroids. And I won't even begin to talk about what demonic songs are. It's, it's emotions from the pit of hell. But our soul must be brought into alignment with what God wants to do. And we must think the thoughts of God. We must not allow our minds to be overwhelmed and overcome by the thinking of what's going on around us. And my goodness, isn't there a lot of that today? I mean, you, you can't even go outside or hear anybody on TV or certainly not go down into the center of your cities in this particular moment without being told what you can think, what you can't think. Feel bad about who you are and, you know, submit to this crowd speak and you know don't do this don't do that you'll get sick and keel over I mean there are so many thoughts and people giving you opinions and you know our soul and that, that doesn't even begin to think about what we are saying inside of us and every color of skin has a mind inside it that thinks things that are not necessarily what God is wanting. You know, the Apostle Paul said that you have a responsibility as you're walking in Christ to take captive every thought that would come against what your identity and mission is for God as an anointed son and submit it to him for obedience and then make sure that that thing then serves what the divine objective is. So when we have heard what God wants 
and we're ready to emerge into the fields of triumph and, and battle according to righteousness. We have to make sure that our soul is restored. This is the term shub, which means to, to turn around. It doesn't necessarily mean an 180-degree turn like metanoia is. I ne never met a noia I didn't like, um, which is repentance, repent in the New Testament. But it certainly means to turn back, to turn around. And really what it's saying is our soul, when we come out of this, when we come out of this deep place in God, where he is unquestionably with us and we're gaining his heart, we need to make sure as we emerge from that that our soul doesn't do any, any tricks on us. When we leave that, we start thinking whatever thoughts uh, are being promulgated or whatever we think. Our soul needs to turn and honor and serve what we have received from God in this manucha place of all manucha places. So we could talk a lot about that, but it's the link between being with God, knowing what his heart is, and actually communicating it. Do you see this? Because you can't go in the paths of righteousness based upon what God has shown you in this wonderful place of commune with him if your soul is thinking other things. Your soul, your emotions, your mindset needs to submit itself. Sometimes it may be that you have to cause the sprinkling of the blood to come and cause that evil conscience to be cleansed and committed again by the power of the blood to serve what God wants. Now, we always need the power of the blood, but there are some times when we just can't get a thought of our mind, we need to be asking for the blood of Jesus to, to cleanse that wicked thought. There's a lot of wicked thoughts in our country and in the world today. And by saying that, see, as soon as you say that, i got to be really careful here, you can be branded as somebody who ain't woke. Well, I can wish and believe for and stand for the very best for all of my brothers and sisters. And I do that and still say, we cannot think what the world is thinking. Because the world, there's a, there's a way that seems right to man, and the end thereof is destruction. And um, I hope and pray that in our world today, and it's been going this way for a number of years now on a number of topics, that a woke Bible doesn't emerge. It'd be about two pages long because you take out all the things that trigger or offend people or make you think that you can't do what you want to do. You rip all those out. And you don't have much left. But we've got to make sure our soul it, it, and restore here is not, oh, it's okay, honey. It's all right. Let me smear a little balm of Gilead on you. Let me tell you some funny stories. Let me just tell you how much God loves you. That's not what this word means, even though all those things are great. This word means you turn from any thought that keeps you from fulfilling what God has established in his holy place. And so we got to do a lot of soul turning.
if we're going to perceive next into being led by God as a conqueror, being led by God as someone who guides and who transports and who brings colonists or leads those who have been exiled back to their point of, of identity or really leads captivity captive. <laughs> so we've got to do all these things before we can be in the paths of righteousness representing his name. Do you see this? So it's Nacha that comes along with Nachal, but the essence of it is found in what we've been discussing. So, again, I reiterate, you got to find the fact that Yahweh, the plan of God, is leading you. He could have said Elohim is leading us, but then that would just be a heart fest. And if, if you, you've got to realize that if you know the heart of God, you've got to then follow the mind of Christ. And you need them both. So this is speaking about the plan of God, which we are moving on, and then it leads us into that confidence that we don't lack for anything. And there is great confidence when you're praying on behalf of the will of God, the, the path of God, your partnership with God. Not just the promise, but the partnership. And I think you know what I'm saying there. A lot of people want the promises of God, but they don't want the partnership. Oh, it's too much work. Oh, I just can't do it. Oh, let's, it's supposed to be free. It's supposed to be easy. Oh, he gave it all for us, so we don't have to do anything. That, that is the rich young ruler mindset, and he left, he left Jesus sad. I want to be with Jesus and be glad. So we shall not want. And there is a confidence that when we're working with him as partners on what God wants to do, whatever we ask, it is given. Amen. And so we're residing with him. He is protecting us, but he's leading us in accordance with what his manucha is wanting to do. And he's giving us a glimpse of his waters that are going to bring life and vitality as waters do on this earth. God is about to break a drought upon this earth. Mark my words. And as a people who have seen God around the world in the natural break forth in great torrents of rain in dry places, in hot places, in places where drought has been, I'm telling you now that that's been a foreshadow of what's coming in the Spirit. The latter rain and the former rain are coming. And it's, you can listen real close. You can hear the thunderclap in heaven. And that's coming. So we've got to begin to think this way. We've got to make sure our soul every day is restored, turned from what has been trying to impress itself in man's ways or in fear or in anger or, in, or whatever it might be. We, our soul needs to be turned to serve the living God only. And that's, that's got to be. So he leads me, Nacha, in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let's talk about his namesake first. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're named after somebody. Here's my namesake over here. I know she's a girl, but I called her Ronald anyway. That's, that's, not, what, that's not what this means here. It's, it's that you emerge from this place according to the plan of God 
And you've been given authority to represent his name. You've been given authority not just to go about shooting off the name of Jesus everywhere, uh, but in his name should be proclaimed everywhere. Don't get me wrong. But because you have power doesn't mean you have that measure of assignment to apply that power. You know, we, we need to be very selective. You know, Jesus told his disciples, you know, you go and you do this thing and don't salute anybody by the way. You go and do it. Remember the, 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 the young prophet in the Old Testament who God said, I want you to go to the king. I want you to deliver this message and I want you to come back. I don't want you to stop along the way. Don't want you to stop at any rest stops. Don't stop by Stuckey's. Don't stop by Bucky's or any other Ucky. Don't do that. You just come back. And that young man did not obey and he was killed. Now that sounds awful, but we need to recognize that when we're representing the name of God as his partner and as his representative, we're being led forth by God to establish righteousness. We cannot be sidetracked. We cannot be drawn off. We've got to stay on focus because we're serving God, and we need to remember that. And there's always going to be urgencies, emergencies, other voices, crowd shaming. Oh, if you really were loving, you'd be doing this. Well, you can, you can love people, but the one you love the most is saying, you stay on post here. You stay on duty. Next time you see Elder Denise, you ask her, what happens if, if a, a, a commander has been given a task by a superior and they go out and start doing whatever it is they want to do? You know, remember in the Old Testament, you know, Saul says to Samuel, hey, I've done everything you said to do. You know, I've completed it all. Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep I hear? And that's one of the two ways that the mantle of kingship was torn away from Saul. I don't want that to happen to me. So when we represent, and I don't want it to happen to you either, when we represent his name, that means that up in that place of Manucha, God has empowered us. And we just have not been given a, a, a blank checkbook to go out and do whatever we want to do. And come boldly before the throne whenever we want to yell at God and tell him what we think. Who are we? said to Job, where were you when I created the heavens of the earth? Are you my counselor now? No, we have an assignment from God. And we said we may not understand what's coming next. We may not understand what's, what's, um, what everybody else is doing. But you can hear the voice of Jesus saying, what is that to thee anyway? I've given you an assignment. You be that to the best of your ability. That's what his namesake means, and it means it, means it for a reason. And that we have to talk about first. So, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Remember what we've studied about righteousness? It's not just being cool. It's not, even though the New Testament translate righteousness and justification the same way, it really shouldn't be. Or, or at least the translation I understand, but the concept of it is really not equitable because justification and righteousness are really two different things. Justification is when you're in right standing with God. The root of righteousness in the Old Testament is vision. Remember that. It's in the, it's in the root word. It's the name itself. 
from which righteousness is translated. The law of first issuance tells us that when Abram was communing with God and God showed him signs in the heavens and Abram believed God, believed what God was saying, Amon, from the right hand, and God said, that is righteousness. You saw the vision, you believed, that's what righteousness is. There are a lot of Christians who, who have, um, have accepted Jesus, but you talk about a righteous vision, and they'll think you're nuts. They'll call you New Age and all other kind of uh, epithets. And, you know, you, you need to recognize that part of the Pentecostal gift is visions and dreams. You know, I, I still go back to what Peter said on Pentecost after they had been offering grace and supplication. That's what God says they were doing in the Scripture. Look at it yourself. And um, when the tongues came and uh, the, the, the tongues of fire on people's heads and the sound of the rushing mighty wind, Peter didn't come out quoting from Isaiah about stammering lips and an unknown tongue. He came out and he talked about the Spirit being poured out on all flesh and visions and dreams and a second outpouring where uh, handmaidens and servants would receive a, a, a mighty impartation of the Spirit to do exploits. You know, Pentecost, I thank God for tongues. I thank God for diversities of tongues. And I stand by that need for every believer to speak in those languages as a gift from God. But the promise of the Father is not just tongues. We need to be a people of vision because that is what righteousness is constituted by. And uh, blessed are those who have not seen in the natural and yet believe. Uh, we write the vision. We make it plain that those who read it can run with it. And so vision is important. And if you talk about righteousness in the Old Testament, you're not going to be able to separate it by the very root derivation of its word it's from which it's translated. You cannot separate it from vision. So how do we gain vision? Well, I think we need to go back to what we just said about the first part of this passage. You know, throughout my life, and let me just give you a chance to talk, a chance to just, let's just talk as friends here. And I'm, I'm talking about me because I really can't talk about you. Some of you want people to talk about you all the time. And if they're not talking about you, you're talking about yourself. But I can't speak about what you go through in your mind processes and in your spirit. But I can tell you what I deal with, and I can tell you that, so maybe that can help you to know how you need to process what God's given you to do and be. So throughout my life, I've had visionary giftings and to, to a large degree, seer's giftings. And I've had dreams and visions and just had kind of the eye of the understanding open. But <coughs> really, I didn't know how to process it. And I knew very, from a very early age not to tell people about these things because they think you were a nut or they needed to counsel a little way or deliver you from something. And so um, I would at times be cognizant of the presence of angels through seeing or 
sensing things or, you know, God would speak to me or, and, and I valued that. I knew it was God. I certainly knew it wasn't the devil because I was born again. I was spirit-filled. I was studying the Word. I was living for God. But I didn't really know what all to do, and I knew that I couldn't, sure couldn't talk about it in the church. Isn't that sad? But when we begin to really accept the call of God as a church to seek His face, to pray without ceasing, to pray not for our own needs, but to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, to pray in the spirit and to interpret, which the Bible says we should do, to pray mysteries, musterion, and then hear the hermenia of what God was saying, and to be a pneumonicos people, which is what the Bible, the Bible says, that Bible you and I know and love, what the Bible says is what the spiritual ones are. And that mean, doesn't mean that they're holier than thou. It means that they cherish the deeper things of the, of the Word of God and the Spirit, and they don't forget about it. They don't just come to church to get a stem winder or to get fired up or to hear a great song and feel cool for the next two or three minutes and then have to come back to, to hear it again so that they can be sustained. No, we walk in the depth of the Spirit of God, and we should be growing in grace. And that's what a pneumaticos people is. And so when we did this, I noticed that suddenly God began to illumine these giftings that I knew I had to a, to a greater degree. And he began to guide me because of intercession, because of spending time with him, into the word that explained these things. Where I had been, I certainly hadn't underlined any of them. I quoted things for Bible quiz and sword drills and all the other things that you do growing up in church. and um, But I didn't understand a whole lot of what was said there. And, of course, then if you don't understand, then the preacher's never going to admit he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand. And they'll say, well, that was for a former time, a different dispensation. God doesn't do that anymore. So there's no such thing as an apostle nowadays. That was for those days. That's, that's, that's not scriptural. It's just not scriptural. Where in the Bible does it say when the fivefold gifts were given, and it says for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, do we all come into that perfect stature? Do we think we've gotten that? Some people say, well, that's when we receive the word of God. Hey, look, I pastored long enough to see people carry a Bible into the church and know that person ain't living for God. Having a Bible doesn't mean you're perfected. Do you understand that? So you get preachers that explain away things because they don't understand it because they've, blessed their heart, not really felt free to go into the deeper things in the Spirit. And, you know, when you start making demands on people to seek God and to know Him, which should be what we do, it's the chief end of man and of women. There's some people in your church that will say, I ain't buying into that. That's spooky. You just provide a nice social environment for us, make sure the choir sings good, preach a good sermon that's done in 20 minutes so we can get out of here, tell a couple of stories so we feel like we've been entertained. Don't challenge me too much because the next board election, I will vote you out. And, and if, if that threat doesn't happen, I'll stop paying my tithe. 
we'll leave and go to the church down the street that has a bigger choir anyway and good sports programs for our kids. So preachers don't want to do that. As I can tell you, as soon as you start committing to this, not trying to scare anybody, I'm just telling you, there will be those that are more carnally minded that are going to resist you in your church. And there will be those that say that you're not teaching the scripture, that you're gone into some cultic belief, and they'll start quoting old brother so-and-so who said, well, I've never seen that in my life. And you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to have to take a stand for righteousness. Abram had to get up and leave Ur of the Chaldees. They, they were spiritual people there. They were seers. In Daniel's day, remember, they, they called for the Chaldeans. Those people understood spiritual things, but God said, you get out from among them and you follow me. And um, you know, God began to do a work in Mary's life, and she had to leave her hometown. She had to go live with Elizabeth, who was also three sheets to the wind of the Spirit. And, you know, I'm not trying to speak any kind of insurrection or trouble in, in the house of the Lord, but God says when he begins to move, there's going to come a shaking first in the house of God. Judgment must begin in the house of God. And that judgment is not telling everybody their sins. That judgment is, is in alignment with what God's purpose is. So when you speak about righteousness, it's easy to say, Oh, it's the same as justification, which means just if I have never sinned. Oh, that preach is good. And you walk up the aisle and shake the hand of the preacher, and then you can live whatever way you want. You're going to heaven, they so some of them say. Righteousness is a partnership according to vision. It's what Abram did, who is the father of all who walk in faith, and it's what's required of us. So when we speak about uh, representing the name in accordance with righteousness, it's something that in that Manuka place, God has instructed us to do and to be. Paths here is a very interesting word because it really means a circular track. Look it up for yourself. Some of you who haven't believed anything else I've said, you look it up right now and you'll see it's not some meandering way through a state park where you can look at the trees and strum a few tunes on your sack butt and you know, blow a shofar. This is a circular way, and what we know about the circle is it indicates the ways of God. Now, that's another study entirely, but the circle is uh, what, what, the, what is indicative of the dance in the Old Testament, and the circle of God's ways is, is either restorative or creative but this path of righteousness being a circular track means a beginning and a conclusion it's the word that will not return void but will accomplish all that it was sent to do and this is the pathway of the righteous and it's what God leads you to if you're going to be a Naha individual a guide or someone transporting the kingdom to come, that the will of God would be done, leading colonists into a new land, bringing exiles back from their um, exhalation. <laughs> That's not a word I know. I'm just playing with you. It may be a word, but we're not playing Scrabble. So let's, uh, in the time we have remaining, let's look at some of the places where Nacha 
is mentioned. Now, Nechal is also used, it's, not, it's only used like 10 times, the leading by the still waters, which means to me that it's, it's, it's like, it's not for everybody. Well, it is for everybody, but it's not something that everybody's going to be willing to do. You can study that for yourself. We'll mention a couple of those here. But my main concern under the directive of the Lord today is to speak about leading in the paths, the ways of God for righteousness representing his name. And so the first one is there for you, Psalm 31, verses 2 and 3. And it speaks about his name. Bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock, for in the house of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Here they are both together, one of those rare influences. But apparently David is in some, to quote, uh, O brother, where art thou? He was in a tight spot. And he, he felt that he really needed God to come and deliver him at this moment. And he was representing the name, and he said, I need you to direct me as a warrior, and I need you to refresh me in this place where it all began, by the still waters. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, David really didn't mean that. Well, just eight chapters early. Oh, no, seven. Let's see. Let's do the math. Yeah, seven chapters earlier, he just said this. Same, same author. So let's don't dismiss it. This is what he's saying here. He has just said when he follows Yahweh that he's going to have this encounter with God where he recognizes what God wants to do. He commits everything he is, including his, his soul, to it. And then he engages as a warrior in the circular path of God's ways according to the righteous vision representing his name. He just said this. So here he is. He's, he's coming under attack in some way. And he says, as I represent your name, guide me and refresh me with those things that you put in my heart before I engaged on this pathway. That's a great verse. The enemy is there, obviously. And, you know, later on in Psalm 23, it says that God prepares a table before David in the presence of his enemies. Well, here in Psalm 5, it says, because of the enemy, lead me, O Yahweh, in righteousness. Because of mine enemies, make thy, thy way straight before my face. Now, I would put the punctuation, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness, comma, because of my enemies, make thy way straight before my face. The face represents commune with God. Of course, where you're looking is where you're going, usually. And um, uh, you, you need to, to recognize that the face also represents commune with God, to be face-to-face, face-a-face. It means to be uh, Penuel, where Jacob met with God face to face there at Bethel. And, and that is, um, that's David again saying, 
I need to commune with you out here on the battlefield. The enemies are here. I'm representing righteousness according to your eternal plan. And so as I'm before your face, looking at you, let this path be straight. There's a lot that could be said there. I give that to your time of devotions before God. But Psalm 27 reiterates it. In verse 11 it says, Teach me thy way, O Yahweh, and nachal me, nachal me, in a place of uh, a plain path because of my enemies. Plain means just plain. In this, you don't want to get tricky when you're dealing with the enemy. You, you want to get a clear word and do that. God says, go, you go. God says, stop, you stop. God says, wait, you wait. If God says, go this far and you just only go there and you stand, that's what you do. So in part of the ways that God teaches us, he is leading us in nacha, uh, in the presence of our enemies. So. You need a straight way by his face and a plain path in this leading. Now, as I said, the enemy's going to probably withstand you. We've certainly had a lot of that over the past number of months. But yet God is good. And how many times have we said you can feel this wickedness around in the world? You can sense the enemy attacking, but the presence of God has been so wonderful in such overwhelming ways. Haven't we said that? Haven't you said that? Well, it's an indication of these two things. God is leading us in these paths of righteousness, and we're in his face, and he is giving us both at the same time. We need them both, that overwhelming presence. So here's David saying in Psalm 61, verse 2, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, Nacha me to the rock that is higher than I. There's a way of escape, not a way of abandonment, not a way of get me out of here, but a way of respite. Uh, no, not respite, a, ray, a way of restoration and refreshing to a rock that is higher where the enemy is thinks he has you and then whoosh, suddenly there you are you know I, I I love to hear stories from my brother Jerry Smith who lives out in Tucson because Jerry hunts mountain lions for the state and for other reasons too and he says that sometimes he'll see this these mountain lions just kind of playing with the dog and that that hubris that pride no pun intended with the lions um, is what becomes their undoing and said those lions sometimes will let the dogs think they've cornered him and then the lion will leap 30 40 feet up into a higher place where the dogs can't go <laughs> I, I see David with this and um, and the, the hubris of the lion is that sometimes it'll get up in a tree and think it's safe, but it, it's not safe from the hunter's rifle. And so its pride is leads to its downfall. 
But the Lord God knows a rock that is higher than we are, and the enemy can't reach us there. And this is a promise from God. Let's keep going. We're going to run out of time. Don't want to do that. Psalm 73, verse 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Now, we could go off in a lot of directions with this, but God will speak words of counsel to us. And when we obey that, we will be participants in the fulfillment of the mission, which is his glory. Some people interpret this as saying, you know, throughout my life, God guided me with counsel. And then after it was all over, he received me into glory. Glory, glory, glory land. Well, there's a lot more glory to be had here on earth. And we need to get about the business of welcoming his glory to this earth. If you just live your life trying to get by and one day you'll be in glory forever, that's great, but you're missing the point of being here. God will give you counsel. He'll give you direction. And hopefully you will invest that into your life and you will remember that counsel not to do the same thing over and over again because God has different strategies in his pathways and different objectives. But the lessons you learn, the intrinsic, deep, integral blessings and lessons you learn, you can draw on them in the future. And that's kind of where we are in Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Integrity will guide. Integrity will be a way that God will nacha you. And what's that mean? Well, something I heard a long time ago, and I know this is true, is that difficulties will reveal the measure of integrity that's in you. Blessings probably won't reveal the integrity because most people, some people don't know how to deal with blessing. They don't need to, they don't know when to leave well enough alone. And when they're winning, they, they don't need to make unforced errors to give their enemy an advantage. We need to pray for our governmental leaders in that way. And that's all I'm going to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. But, um, you know, we, we need to hide the word in our heart that we don't sin against God. We need to learn and be established so that integrity is a function of who we are. And that, you know, when trying times come, our integrity itself before God the candle of the Lord in our spirit will guide us. We need that. And Solomon, who wrote a lot about wisdom, is the one who said this. Well, let's look at Isaiah 58, our last passage. See, some of you thought I was doing too much preaching, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop after an hour. Well, see there, I've got... I've got almost nine minutes to bring it home. Isaiah 58, verses 11 and 12. And Yahweh shall guide you continually. Satisfy your soul in drought. Why? 
because of that manuka water that you're welcoming. Make fat your bones. You'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Do you see all the connection here between being guided by the Lord? What's the end result of it? Remember Psalm 23? The drought is going to be satisfied. Your soul, which has been restored, is going to be satisfied there. You're going to be like a water garden, like a spring of water, and waters that fail not. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And what's going to happen because of this? They that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Wow. Wow. Now that that's incredible, isn't it? Is it I just I just have to think on that for a moment. I mean, it's just kind of overwhelming me here. God is going to cause us to to be able to restore all these things that that are part of his plan. And um I I I'm I'm so grateful. And you know what's so wonderful about this to me is because the breach is Peretz. The breach is what you were called to stand in, that gap. And when you first took a stand there, you thought, Lord, I know your presence. I know you sent me, but it sure does look a mess. And are you not questioning you, God, but are you ever going to do what you said you're going to do? Yet God is there with you in his timetable, in his timing. He's he's faithful. Others might say, yeah, you've been standing there for a long time. That breach is still there. You just look like a, a ninny standing there um, waiting. But yet God said, you, you are going to be known as the repairer, one who builds up the walls, one who establishes uh, security there, and the, the old waste places are going to be established. Um, the, um, the, let's look at it. You'll raise up foundations, um, and you're not going to be out there in some dry hole. You're, you're going to have a satisfaction in drought. You're going to be supplied abundantly. You'll be like a watered garden. Springs of water will rise up. The waters will fail not. Why? Because that's what God promised you from the beginning. And listen, dear ones. This is what God is saying to us today. Um, this is who you are. And the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. You are blessed to be residing in green pastures. And you are walking by by the leading of the Lord, by the Manuka waters. Your soul is being recalibrated to a godly perspective. You're being led in paths of his ways by righteous vision to represent his name. That's you. 
That's that's us. This weekend, we are privileged on Saturday morning um, to be able to have a live stream event with any of the Saints Network who wants to join on our on our website. And uh, on on June thirteenth at nine in the morning Eastern Time, eight in the morning Central Time, and you can do the math going out west. Um, we we're going to be sharing about restoring the ancient wells and and i believe that god is is going to speak some powerful words we had to postpone this gathering that was up there we knew it was the timing of the lord but we're going to be greeting those folks and teaching those folks and you're invited to join uh, this coming saturday morning on the saints network webpage live stream event we're also asking our church and those in the Saints Network and certainly those participating up in, in West Virginia and Ohio and Pennsylvania to fast from Friday evening in through the end of the gathering on Saturday morning to believe that God will position us in a proper way to follow him and that he will visit our land and visit our country and unlock the ancient wells and unlock those wonderful places that the, the Manuka water of God wants to pour out. And this is our privilege. This is what God's doing. And I know it's not what the fundamental, just straight laced, just give me an entertaining sermon places are, are preaching. But this is the word of God. It's everywhere. And it's what our mission is. And that's what we're doing. And so we speak blessing over this gathering on Saturday and the fasting that's going to be offered from Friday into Saturday. We speak blessing into every one of those people that are called alongside to, to help and to do the work of the kingdom in the place where they've been planted. And I ask for all of the saints in our saints network who currently are so faithfully serving as we join together with these folks that will believe for a great visitation of the Spirit upon this land, upon Canada, upon Mexico, all of North America, may this be a groundbreaking moment that will shake the heavens and the earth. God knows our nations need this. The people of God need it, and those who are called to serve need it. God wants to visit this place with His kingdom, and these are the tools that He's chosen. They're throughout the word, but they're ours, and we choose to apply them. I bless your people. I declare the blood of Jesus over every one of our people. Keep us safe and protected and invigorated and activated and inspired. Let us be faithful to pray. Don't let us miss you. And Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we glorify you. For we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One other announcement. Um, tomorrow morning and then on Friday morning, I'll be helping, uh, I'll be bringing forth a, 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 an intercessory primer concerning the blood of Jesus. And then Saturday morning, this live stream event, Sunday, live stream from here in the church. And we bless you in your ministries, but we also invite you to Enjoy what God's giving to all of us, the spiritual meat. 
And I just bless you. Thanks for joining today. And until next time, keep on interceding. Keep on fighting the good fight. God bless you and goodbye.